The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome, Ecclesia. Thank you for joining us today for worship. Please allow me to pray for us as we begin our time together. Lord, in this season of separation, all of us are getting worn down in one way or another. Our margins are getting thin. Uh, we are quick to anger. We are quick to tears. Uh, and we need you more than ever. So Lord, we begin again with you. We, we return to the bedrock of our hope, which is you, Lord Jesus. Uh, we know that your love undergirds all of this. Beyond our circumstances, beyond our pain, beyond our separation, uh, we know that you are with us. We know that your love uh, abounds to us. And so we have trust in this, that faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love, and it's your love that is for us, that is with us. So Lord, this day, may we have eyes to see again. May we have ears to hear again. Uh, your love and your provision uh, for us in these days. Uh, we need you and we return to you this day in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friends, let's join in worship together.
Your labor is not in vain Though the ground underneath you is cursed and stained You're planting and reaping, you're never the same Your labor is not in vain Your labor is not unknown Though the rocks they cry out and the sea it may groan The place of your toil may not seem like a home Your labor is not unknown For I am Ecclesia, we continue to be committed, even in this challenging season, to the work God has called us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well 
for the spiritual health of our people and especially the care of our children. As we each consider our part in this offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. see you this is Pastor Chris and uh, I never quite imagined a day that I would be preaching in my yard with my dog and the yard guys are all around you're gonna hear the leaf blowers um, wearing a, a mask if you got to wear a mask at least wear an Astros mask uh, there's not a lot of good things that have come out of this particular season but at least nobody's talking about the Astros cheating anymore and that's been kind of refreshing, although there's no new Astros news to talk about either. Um, some of you are asking, like, what are our plans? What are we going to do? The governor has uh, opened some doors for some new things to happen, but this is what you need to know. Uh, the governor has made really clear that he wants churches to do everything remotely that they can possibly do remotely. Anything that could be online, we ought to do online. And so as our church leadership has looked at it in this season, combined with the fact that it's impossible to invite children to social distance. We've said the only thing that we can really uh, only do in person are our funerals, be with family members as they have to bury loved ones. And for this season, we're gonna continue uh, to meet online and to do everything we can. We're gonna slowly make some changes at some point and we'll make sure to communicate all those things to you. Our kids are really important and we're gonna focus on kids camp and some really amazing things we can do this summer. Uh, do them virtually and you're gonna hear a lot more about that. So you may wonder what are we going to do in this season? Well, we're gonna do more of what we've been doing. Sharing from what God's given us, caring for those in need all across our city and all across the globe. The opportunities are plentiful and we're gonna do it with an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. You may remember one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. There's a whole generation that doesn't know Seinfeld, but those of you that do, uh, there was a uh, a small restaurant that created a scarcity mentality. In fact, this guy, he would uh, sometimes give you soup, sometimes he wouldn't give you soup. And if he uh, didn't like you, you did something wrong, no soup for you. Remember George Costanza went in, he wanted bread. He, he wouldn't give it to him. No soup for you. Um, surprising things happen in this season. And that restaurant owner reached out to us at Ecclesia to celebrate the way that we can provide uh, for people in need. I don't know if you remember the soup Nazi, but here he is. Ecclesia, your donations continue to support meals for our homeless brothers and sisters. We hope that no one ever has to hear no soup for you in Houston. So, Ecclesia, we ought to be able to laugh a little bit but we're also going to continue to serve. And one of the ways you can do that is continue to give and to share, both for brothers and sisters here and across the world. Um, this week, we're gonna have opportunities for you to come and to drop off some food items and toiletries 
for our homeless brothers and sisters. We'll be doing that on Monday downtown from 11 to 2 and at our West Side campus on Wednesday from 11 to 2. You can drop off those items and you can also pick up one of these signs. We, uh, we placed a beautiful sign uh, on our building that just reminds the city, one, that we're grateful for essential workers. We have two signs and then one that proclaims our anthem in this season. We're going to make it through and we're celebrating the ways that we're going to make it through. And we got 2000 of these yard signs. And when you come drop off food for the homeless, I'd love for you to grab one, put it in your front yard and just declare to your neighbors, we're going to get through this together. And you know what? It's an opportunity to tell them, I believe we're going to make it through because I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm a part of a Christian community. And I learned this last weekend, I had a dear sister in our neighborhood. I didn't know her. She posted something on our next door app and it was about masks and whether to wear them. And, and she was in a place that the whole conversation was hard for her because uh, she has a brother uh, diagnosed with COVID that was struggling in the hospital. And uh, there was a lot of conversation about masks, but no one was asking her about her brother. And I just sent her a short message and said, can you tell me more about your brother? How can we pray for him? And uh, this dear sister got online, watched a lot of our services, joined us last week. And my neighbors are probably like yours. They're, they're willing and they're looking for something meaningful in this season. And we ought to help with that. And we're gonna to continue to celebrate Ecclesians as we declare that we're gonna make it through because we have people reminding us. And this week, uh, the award winner of our remarkable, honored and esteemed, we're gonna make it through award is PJ Pablo Vasquez. Uh, PJ is a faithful Ecclesian. I know right where he'd be sitting right now if we were in church and he's there more reliably than most of you. And he's worshiping Jesus and loving friends and family and he was asked by Methodist Hospital to head up the Highly Infectious Disease Unit for Methodist Hospital. It's the one located in Katy. He leads a remarkable team. He got to choose the nurses and the people that would serve in that unit. And Methodist recently did a documentary about Pablo. I'm so grateful for his service and I wanted you to see just a bit of it, the kindness and love that he shows to his staff and the way the staff lead and care for the patients. And we've already started sending them some food bombs there at the hospital, but we have a bunch of ideas of gifts that we can give to them. And if you've got some you want to share, I want you to email me, chris at ecclesiahouston.org. But now see our dear brother Pablo and let's celebrate together his love and faithful Christian service. My challenge has been from a staffing perspective as we get ready to open the second unit, ensuring that we have the right key folks with the right experience to be able to serve as a team lead, as a charge nurse, um, having folks that have that higher acuity nursing experience, an ICU nurse or an ER nurse that could help in a critical incident uh, with the teams just so that everything's structured well. I feel a little tired. Um, I was reading Dr. Boom's email yesterday where he mentioned he felt tired, so I guess it's okay to say it's okay to feel tired. There's this energy as well that kind of gets you moving and you see the staff and everyone's engagement and um, that's very energizing. For every single person that you'll see here standing, there's probably 10 people behind the scenes that have made this unit possible. So that helps take a little bit of the stress out, but it's still very um, emotionally straining. And I think probably the, the bigger thing that adds to the stress is today we have a lot of staff. We're going to open units, staff is going to get thinner. But as the crisis evolves, we may have to even stretch even thinner to take care of our patients. We all see that as a privilege in nursing to be with someone at their bedside while they're going through that, that transition. It's almost like a midwife to the soul and perhaps it's ironic that we're in a labor and delivery unit and we're kind of, you know, helping that transition in someone's life. Hey Pablo, what's up? Hey, just checking in on you. You doing okay? 
So Ecclesia, this week I want to share with you one of the rhythms of Ecclesia. We have these rhythms that we've said, these are the ways that we're going to live. They're going to be the practices that define us. And one of those rhythms is to be kind, that we're going to be a people of kindness. We've learned through the years that kindness trumps almost anything. And we've learned in the simplest ways that small acts of kindness can truly change the world. I've told you the story before of coming back from Canada. I love Canada. I don't think I'll be traveling there anytime soon. I would love a Tim Hortons maple donut. Um, but when I'm traveling, uh, one of the things that's become a part of my rhythm is that I eat a little bit differently. I don't know about you, but I eat a little safer. I don't eat a big Cracker Barrel greasy breakfast when I'm traveling and on the road. I keep it really simple, usually coffee and a banana. You don't need all the details. It keeps everybody regular, happy, healthy, and good. And for me, I was traveling back from Canada. I went through the airport club to get all the free things that you get in an airport club. I got coffee. I got a banana. I got my newspaper. I'm thrilled. I get to the, the gate and I learn that I've been upgraded to first class and I'm as happy as I can be. I, I remember just as we were getting ready to take off, there was a man sitting behind me and he was explaining uh, that his son, four-year-old, was traveling with him and uh, they were headed to a funeral. It was an unexpected trip. And he said, I didn't come prepared. Uh, what you're feeding everybody on the plane, he won't eat. What I really need, some fruit, something like a banana. I tried to ignore him because I had a banana and I wanted to keep my banana. But the truth was, it wasn't long until we're into the flight and the flight attendant explained she can't find any fruit. And this guy's realizing uh, that he needs to find something to feed his kid. And I'm not necessarily being entirely loving and Christ-like. I've just done the math of what it's like to have a hungry four-year-old sitting behind you. And I realized the right thing to do is give this guy my banana. So I turn around, hand him my banana. He's thrilled. He keeps thanking me multiple times. He taps me on the shoulder during the flight and said, thank you so much for the banana. And I'm like, it's, it's a banana. Finally, again, I'm like, I stole the banana. I took it from the airport club. I didn't pay for it. It's no big deal. And then I pulled out my Bible to do what I do. I was going back to get ready to preach at Ecclesia. And as I read my Bible, he tapped my shoulder again and he said, sir, are you like a Christian? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like a professional Christian. That's like what I do. And uh, he kept saying to me, said it multiple times, like, I can't believe a pastor gave me a banana, right? And uh, I thought it was an odd statement until he told me that his uh, dad was a pastor. And he said, uh, my dad's not the kind of person that would have shared his banana. Uh, he was inviting a deeper conversation. What he shared about his dad wasn't really encouraging. But he asked me questions about Ecclesia and what we do. And I told him about the ways that we share with people all across the globe. And the kind of generous, kind people that you are. I told him stories about you. And as I did, he said, if I could find a church like that, I'd want to be a part of it. And by the time we got off the plane and I'd shared with him what I think real Christianity is about, um, we got off and we got on our phone and he told me a zip code. They're kind of weird in Canada, but we found a church that looked like it might be a fit. And I emailed the pastor and said, hey, this guy's going to come visit your church. And his kid really likes bananas. Like you should have some for him. And, uh, and from time to time, it'll be years and I won't hear from him. And I'll get an email from him and the subject will just be banana, right? And the truth is he got involved in that church. God's really blessed his family. And it, and it started with this really, really small gift. Now, part of it was the timing, right? There was a timing. He was headed to a funeral. It was a time of need. Uh, we've had similar experiences in Hurricane Harvey, right? I think of the Vo family, this Vietnamese family out in the Katy area that um, 
they were living in their car after the storm and we found out and we just got to lean in and help them and everything from getting them an apartment, putting them in a hotel first, getting them an apartment, and then helping pull together the resources to rebuild their house. And whenever I see them, they, they hug me in a way that very few people hug me. They're so grateful for Ecclesia. And because there was a time that they needed help, just like the, the guy on the plane, um, if we help at the right time, beautiful things happen. Small acts of kindness. And I just got to tell you, Ecclesia, now is the time for kindness. In Proverbs, it talks about this kind of timing. In Proverbs 25, verse 11, it says this, A well-spoken word at just the right time, at the right moment, is like golden apples in settings of silver. Have you ever had an experience like that, where somebody just said the right thing to you at the right time? You were at a time you were discouraged and you got a text message just then and it changed your perspective. This, this is that time for everybody. Ecclesia, this is the time that you ought to be sending 12 people encouraging text messages every day. And you're gonna catch people at a low moment and they are going to be so grateful to hear from you. This is also the time to remember that saying the wrong thing in this time can be really painful for people. Just this week, I had um, an experience just looking on social media where I had one friend that was really ranting about how frustrated he is by all of this. And um, it, it was quite a rant. He had been inconvenienced in some small ways, but I noticed the post next to it was my dear friend, Mark Ostriker. Mark's been a longtime friend. He lives in California. He's from Michigan. And Mark's post was about the fact that he had lost both of his parents to the coronavirus in recent weeks, right? If Mark reads a post where somebody's complaining about really small things, that's gonna be a hard thing for him, right? He's in a difficult place. And I wanna encourage you to temper everything you say and do in this season with kindness. The last thing that we need at this point in our journey are people that think they know it all and they figured it out because everybody's in a different place. We're struggling with different things. The word I would offer to you to epitomize kindness in this season is empathy. Would you empathize with those who have lost their job? Would you empathize with those who are frustrated because they need to get out and they're struggling and maybe their mental health is suffering? Would you empathize with those who are sick and suffering and have family members who are? Would you empathize with those who are serving the sick and the needy? It's a really hard job. Our kindness can overflow in this season in a way that's transformative for our whole culture and the world. We don't know who said it exactly, but one of the quotes that I love says, when given the choice between being right and being kind, always choose kindness, right? I grew up in the kind of Christianity that just loved to be right, but being right is not really compelling. It's not really loving. In fact, I'm sure you're right. Just know you're right. You don't need to tell anybody. Just choose to express kindness. Our church has decided we want to be those kinds of people. Paul talks about this kind of kindness in Ephesians 4. And this is what he says. First, he tells us to banish bitterness, rage, and anger, shouting and slander, and any and all malicious thoughts. He says these are poison. I got to tell you, Ecclesia, right now, slander, bitterness, they'll be like poison for your relationships. He says, instead, be kind and compassionate. Graciously forgive one another, just as God has forgiven you through the anointed, our liberating King. We're a people made for it. When, when we are kind, you know what happens? 
in our brain, it actually starts to release the chemicals that bring happiness to us. Oxytocin and dopamine, um, just a small act of kindness changes our posture and our mood. You know, there have been studies that tell us that blood pressure goes down, stress goes down, when we start to act on uh, opportunities to be kind to people. Uh, things change. Uh, there are studies in people over 55 that say that acts of kindness and the habit of living in kindness extends your life more than working out four hours every week. Now, you still ought to work out four hours every week, and so should I, but we ought to combine that with kindness. And I believe for all of us that kindness has to start with a kindness to ourselves. Um, you're going to make some mistakes in this season. Be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. I, I want to encourage all of you to relate to one another, much as I would tell people uh, in times of trauma, shock, or grief. Uh, this is a season that you want to be really clear with your loved ones, with your friends, with your community. Uh, this is what I need. Sometimes with family, you might have this rhythm where you anticipate that they're going to figure out what you need. And I'll just tell you, most of us are not very good at that anyway, but especially in a season where we're all disrupted. So you may need to say to your spouse, I need 30 minutes of silence every day. Can you help me find that? Can we find that rhythm? I need you to actually put your dishes in the dishwasher, kids. That's what I need you to do in this season. If you can just rinse them off and place them there. And then it'd be better just to say that in a forward, kind, gentle way than to get mad every time they don't do it, than to get frustrated. This is a season of communication. Clear communication is kind. As a church, we're going to be offering some new opportunities to help kids better understand what's happening and to be kind to themselves. You're going to hear more about it in coming weeks, but we have developed a partnership with the Baylor School of Social Work to provide some assessments, some uh, advice, some counsel, some support groups for families and for kids to articulate what it's like to go through this together. None of us can call anybody else and find out uh, what's the best practice for communicating with kids in a pandemic? We don't know. We're trying to figure it out. But we're grateful that we have mental health professionals and other friends and counselors that are willing to lean in and help us raise our kids well and help prevent what could be the next pandemic of mental health struggles that come out of this. I want all of you to be intentional. We have opportunities every week with pastoral calls. I'm blessed to be able to get on Zoom and just say a prayer for people. Just a short prayer, but to check in. How are you doing? Let's pray with one another. And in a place of health and contentment, and that contentment for Christians is not rooted in our circumstances. That kind of contentment allows us to care well for ourselves and then to show kindness to others. Ecclesia, I gotta tell you, I'm preaching about this, but you're the best at it. Uh, you've been food bombing people, you've been caring for people, you've been feeding the homeless, and I know we're getting tired, and I just wanna tell you, let's continue to be the people God made us to be. Paul talks about the kind of foundation that we need to live this life in Philippians 4. Now remember, some of you are struggling, you feel like you're in prison, right? I can't leave and go where I wanna go, and I don't have the freedoms I'm used to, and I didn't do anything wrong, right? We didn't cause this pandemic. Paul didn't do anything wrong either. He was serving Jesus, the liberating king. He had gone from being a person who literally killed Christians to encountering Jesus, having his life totally transformed by the love of Jesus and wanting to share it with everybody. And that threatened the powers that be. And Paul found himself in prison, literal prison, in a Roman prison in the book of Philippians. That's where he's writing from when he says these words. So when he talks about contentment, understand that we can have it too. 
This is what he says. He says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know how to survive in tight situations and I know how to enjoy having plenty. We're, we're good at that. But in fact, I've learned how to face any circumstance, fed or hungry, with or without. I, Paul says, can be content in any and every situation through the anointed one who is my power and strength. Ecclesia, I'm just here to remind you, I'm your pastor, I'm just here to remind you that you can be content in even difficult circumstances because Jesus, the anointed one, is also your power and strength. He is my power and strength. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to have bad days. I've had some. You're going to have some bad days. But together, we truly are going to make it through because He is our power and strength. Let me say a prayer for you and we'll continue our time of worship. Lord God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you that in neighborhoods like mine and all across the city and all across the globe, many of us are here, like I am at my house, with family, living a different rhythm. And we pray that in the new rhythm of our life, that the rhythms of Ecclesia, these first two that we've talked about, to be real and to be kind, would be ever present with us. We pray that kindness would pour out from our homes uh, like like Houston thunderstorms. They, they just rain down on so many people that people in our city and across the globe would just go, I, I don't like this pandemic, but the kindness of people who love Jesus gives me the courage to make it through. And so God, we thank you for your many, many abundant blessings. Help us to be the people you made us to be. We pray this prayer together and we pray it in your name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Ecclesia, we now continue our worship by coming to the table of Jesus, who invites each of us to this feast for our souls. This has become a bittersweet time for me, maybe for you too. We're used to taking communion communally, and there are many gifts that togetherness brings. And in this season, we are really missing those gifts. You may be alone in your home taking communion, or maybe you live with others, but you're the only person in your house who wants to feast with Jesus. Perhaps you are one of our communion servers that find great joy in offering the bread and the juice and the wine to your sisters and brothers in our community. This is hard. I know it's hard for you. It's hard for me too. But God has reminded me that it is also sweet. We are still engaging in this weekly rhythm we are apart, yes, but we are together taking communion at the same time in our various households across the city and across the globe. And what Jesus has to offer us in this communion has not changed. This reminder of the outrageous love he has for us, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. So Ecclesia, let's join together in this communion prayer, I will lead as a celebrant. The table is set all around us. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come then to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, 
come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness we have this feast, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. Ecclesia, whatever your table may contain, this is the body broken and given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. May we taste and see.
Ecclesia, we'd like to take a moment now to pray for our children. Whether you have children with you at home or you have children of family and friends that are close to your hearts that you can't be near now, I'd love for us all to raise those children up as we pray together. So Abigail, Zoe, Rebecca, Daniel, and all the children of our community and world, may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace, so that you may act justly, and that you may love mercy, and that you may walk humbly with our God. Amen. Ecclesia, it's great to be together. Thank you for joining us. Our benediction is drawn from Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. Through faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Everything we now see was fashioned from that which is invisible. By faith, Noah heeded God's warning of the flood. By faith, Abraham heard God's call to travel to a place he would one day receive as an inheritance that even in old age, his descendants would number as many as the stars in the sky and as impossible to count as the sands of the shore. Such saints as these look forward to a far better place, a heavenly country. By faith, Moses left Egypt, unafraid of Pharaoh's wrath. By faith, the people crossed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho toppled. We could speak of faith until time itself ran out. Accounts of people alive with faith who conquered kingdoms, brought justice, and closed the mouths of hungry lions. Doused raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, made the weak strong. Many die in faith without receiving the full promises, though seeing the fulfillment as though from a distance. We hold to faith in that promise, so that with us, our forebears might finally see the promise completed. Ecclesia, Hold the faith. This is not the end of the story. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.